Welcome to Dev Mode FM, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Matt Stein from Working Concept in Austin. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Marian Nulevent here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. I'm Jennifer Bloomberg from Next Solutions in New York. And we're joined by two guests today. We have Brandon Kelly, the founder and CEO of a software company called Pixel and Tonic. Thanks for being here, Brandon. Thanks. And also joining us is Ransom Robertson, another dev mode veteran and lead developer at Vinvio. Thanks. Good to be here. Glad you're here. Andrew and Patrick are letting me host this episode, and the topic is the art of focus. Every person who's ever lived has had 24 hours to work with each and every day. I'd like to talk about how we each spend our time and what we've learned about focus. I'm interested in this topic because it's something I'd like to improve, balancing spirited side quests with a stable income or something like that. But it isn't just about me. Every episode, we talk about the stuff of modern web development, and there's a fire hose of fascinating stuff to drink from to the point where it can be overwhelming. Somewhere in the world, every 30 seconds, a new JavaScript framework is born. <laughs> and we're all watching things change together. So this is about me learning to manage my energy like a grown-up, but then all of us learning to stay sharp as the ground shifts under our feet in modern web development. So Brandon and Ransom are here to explain all that. So your due back broke down, leaving Joffrey's piano recital in Mordor. Andrew Welch hiked by and asked a strange well-researched question. You exchanged blank stares and he wandered off singing the Mandalorian theme tune with his own made-up words. How do you use Twitter without letting it consume you? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> The just This is a topical discussion, and so I, I wasn't going to ask you what time management is because that felt insulting. But I wanted to start with, I'm, I started using the Twitter. I actually like talked about sandwiches and stuff that I ate back in, you know, like, I don't know, 2006 or something. But I've recently started engaging and I've learned that it can take over my life if I try to keep up with the timeline. So how do you, as a starting point, how, how, do, you, how do you Twitter without letting it take up all of your time? We're going to start there. I fit it in whenever I'm waiting for my computer to do something. So I'm running Composer Update or I'm NPM install or PHP Storm decides it needs to re-index everything randomly. <laughs> admit Those it. are my Twitter breaks. Admit it. When you're feeling that you need a fix, you just remove node modules and install from scratch, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so you get a good 15 minutes to, to do whatever you want. Exactly. At Ransom, do you have strong feelings about how to manage Twitter? Yeah. So if I'm working on something and Twitter is in my mind, then I probably would just ignore it. <laughs> to be honest, it should just go, just happen later, not when I'm working. Generally, like right before bed. I'm so out of the loop in everything media right now, just because there's really no time outside of, you know, there's time between you know, five o'clock or whatever. And when I go to sleep, but um, personally, I don't find have much interest in getting on those things when I'm done off the clock. But I guess if I had to, I would, you know, same while running composer update or when no one's looking. <laughs> 
So I, I think that's amazing what Brandon just said, because a node composer update or an NPM update will take maybe a minute or five minutes. And then you go onto Twitter or whatever it is that you're doing, you've switched context. So how, I mean, I've seen the number of PRs and commits that Brandon does. I follow the craft repository on GitHub. I don't see how that's humanly possible, at least for me, to not get distracted and to still be able to have so much output <laughs> while, while being able to switch your brain from social media forth. I mean, I think that's amazing. I personally wouldn't be able to do it. I have to not go on anything else and have everything turned off in order to do anything. Yeah, I would say I used to be more like that. Um, I used to be the developer at the agency that would get completely pissed off every time the PM came up and tapped my back or whatever. I'm guessing the main change was having kids. Mm. And like the first year of my first daughter's life was completely distracting. She was a very problematic child. And um, and so I kind of had to learn like to be able to context switch to like just keep whatever I'm in the middle of kind of in the back of my mind and be able to jump right back in at a moment's notice or, you know, take advantage of like the seven minutes that you're waiting around for macaroni and cheese to cook or whatever and get it, just get as much done in where you can, because if not for that, you know, just nothing would have happened. So did, did you just learn by, you know, pressure of macaroni and cheese or did you employ like tools or techniques or start structuring your time differently to get better at that? No, I don't think there was anything super deliberate beyond just being aware of all the things that needed to happen and, you know, keeping in mind what I'm currently working on, knowing that needs to finish before the next thing can be done. And I would say that's like kind of a big part of it for me is, is compartmentalization. It's really easy to get overwhelmed with all of the things that are on your plate or just the things you want to be looking into, the things that you feel like you're falling behind on. And you kind of have to like, you have to learn how to just compartmentalize all of that and just remember, okay, this is the thing I need to get done today. This is the first step of that. That's all I'm thinking about right now. And then just block everything else out. If you need to check out for a minute and wait for something to happen, check Twitter, deal with the kids whatever it is, like, that's fine. As soon as that's over, just get right back into it. Remember exactly what you were working on. And I think everyone thinks that they're good at multitasking, but I also think that some people are just better at it than other people. And I think a lot of that is not, it's not inherent in the person. I think it's just, you can actually like train yourself to be able to do that. And I, I get what you mean, Brandon, in terms of having kids, because I had to run into the same thing, you know, in terms of time slices, like you take them wherever you can get them. Yeah. I also ran into it in terms of, and I, I'm wondering, like you might have as well, in terms of starting up your own company, because in the beginning, when it's just you or it's just you and somebody else, you are wearing all those hats. You do have to time slice between a whole bunch of different things. Do you think that uh, that could be something that helped kind of train you to do that as well? or Possibly. Yeah. I I feel like even, even with, you know, starting Pixel and Tonic and having no one else to hand things off to, it was still, it was still kind of the same, like, matter of prioritization, you know, figure out, figure out what needs to happen in which order and then do it. And I think Jonathan, you mentioned something in a previous episode about how you, you break down, like when you feel overwhelmed by tasks, like you have a process for breaking things down and, and kind of dealing with, with them in chunks. Is that your Yeah. Thing? Yeah. And it's such a simple idea. And it took me a really long time to realize that that's how I need to work because when I'm, whenever I'm tasked with something that seems overwhelming. It can overwhelm me to the point where like, I don't even know where to begin or I procrastinate the, the project. And of course, that's no good. So I've learned to sort of break it down into small, minute chunks. And I just, I don't even focus on like, 
the 99% of the stuff that I have to do. I'm just trying to get through that 1% thing right. that I need to do to get the thing started. And then when you tackle that one, it's on to the next one and on to the next one. And so that strategy's worked well for me. And the hardest one of all of those is the first chunk. It is, absolutely. At least in my experience. Like, yeah. like whenever I'm up against a really big new project, like um, like adding, you know, re- recreating packages for, for craft CMS and stuff like that, like it can be completely overwhelming if all you're thinking about is the entirety of it and how you just have no idea where to start. But then just deciding one day, like, okay, I'm going to start this. This is the one chunk I'm going to focus on first. Once you get the ball rolling, it doesn't matter which thing you started with. Once that ball starts rolling, the next one comes easier uh, and so on. Yeah. Also, if it's something that like you're really dreading doing, I've found that it's helpful to just do that thing first. So like if you have a list of things that you have to do for the day and one of them is like way more of like a scary thing than than everything else, start with that one. Um, There's actually a book about this called Eat the Frog. And basically the premise is... When you is start it about your baby Yoda? Yeah, that's baby <laughs> yeah. Yoda. <laughs> but it's like based on a saying that like if you eat a frog first thing in the morning, then like nothing worse can happen to you the rest of the day. It's basically <laughs> just saying like start your day off by tackling that one difficult thing. And then you sort of get your flow going from that point and it sets you up to be more productive uh, through the rest of the day. I don't understand. Frogs are packed with nutrients and vitamins and... <laughs> It sounds. I mean, yeah. why is when that? When I first read the book, I mistook it and actually ate a real frog. I thought. Really <laughs> How'd the rest of the day go? It changed my diet. I had a great day after that. <laughs> Nothing worse happened. I think part of that too is you you get rid of the uh, energy that you would have spent throughout the day thinking about you know eventually eating the frog too. Totally. So absolutely saving yourself yeah. some time. I have heard similar advice. I can't. I can't actually get myself to do that. I will procrastinate and put the thing off I don't want to do forever, and just leave it in the back of my head. And I'm terrible at that. So that those are the things that you you put off. What about the things that you know are are giant tasks? Like for me, it takes me 30 minutes to write a tweet, and that's to me that you know I have to sit and I have to think very hard about you know what worthless thing I'm going to say. You guys do much more. Each of you does complicated things occasionally like vast like how do you when you know you need a chunk of time to break something down and just think deeply about it without interruption and just focus do you have strategies that you do first of all is this a real premise to other people not tweeting but like (laughs) you know having to think through something yeah Uh, for me it's like i I need like Brad or someone else to be like a rubber duck in that situation. Otherwise, it's just there's unless you're engaged in a conversation with someone else, it's really easy to be distracted by the smallest things like some Twitter notification or whatever. But if you focus, if you're actually in conversation and you're rubber ducking with someone or you're whiteboarding the problem out with someone that kind of demands complete focus. And usually that's that's for me, at least uh, how I get past those situations. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like I need to literally almost, yeah, just try try to get rid of all the things that will pull me away. It it will literally be close every window on my computer, sometimes do these things at a different time than, uh, you know, during the working day. It's so frustrating, but I find I get most of my best work done either really late at night, which then can be a problem because I'm tired the next morning (laughs) or on the weekend. If, you know, somehow I end up by myself at the house, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no one here to bother me. There's no clients to email me. So time shifting is really good. You know, I've given up Facebook Sometime in the last year, that was good for my mental health as well as my focus. <laughs> uh, just, <laughs> just, and people tell you about that. Some comedian has done a bit on this. Some they people will tell you all about the best things that come out on Facebook, and they'll show them to you. And yeah, it's great. For me, the problem is slowing down because generally, if I find a problem that's you know, I think it's going to take a while. I think it's more complex than usual. 
I think it's very easy, at least for people like me who get excited by that kind of thing, to just dive into it and to lock yourself away and to ignore the other things that don't necessarily need to be done, like things that need to be done sooner, things that are more important. And generally what I find when I actually start digging into these things is they're not, they don't always take as long as you'd expect them to. And the reason you tackle them is just because you're excited to do them, not necessarily because you feel like you need to do them. But that gets into a weird scenario where if you move too quickly, you, you know, maybe you find out you did it completely wrong than how, you know, the client expected it. Or by doing that, you've ignored 20 slacks and 12 fires and a server down. So it's kind of, you can over-focus, I guess, is what I'm getting at on these big projects. I feel like I do some of my best work when I convince myself that I have lots of time, even when that's not the case, just because it puts me in a different mindset. I feel like that's sort of maybe what you're saying, or <laughs> at least how I'm interpreting what you're saying a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's the best work, but it's also the riskiest. You know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily what's best for the team or the project or the company. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a selfish work, not to call anyone selfish, but I you know, handle. okay, well, you're, you're very selfish. <laughs> no, I think we all are as developers, pretty selfish in terms of what work we pick to start with. You know, it's a lot of times some of the most exciting work is not something anyone's ever going to see or care about, <laughs> at least for me. But in my position, I have 20 clients all with things that need to get done. And it's not always practical to pick that biggest, most, you know, the nastiest frog and eat it right away. Even if, you know, that's the approach that the some book you read says you should do. I think for me, in terms of actual focus, I think, again, maybe I just think I'm good at it, but I, I feel like I'm pretty good at multitasking things. Obviously, there are cases where you need to focus on something exclusively. But the one thing I found that distracts me from focus, like I can switch between tasks like mentally, not really a problem. I usually can do that pretty well. But noise is something that causes me to lose my focus. And it's like my Achilles heel. And I've got three dogs and two kids. <laughs> so you can see where that's going. But it, if there's like, if there's a loud noise going on, that's something I find incredibly hard to focus on. And I actually end up getting noise headaches from that kind of thing too. For me, it's the visual, mm. visual distraction. If I'm in the same room as a TV, there's nothing happening. <laughs> that's interesting. Cause people like, if you looked at my desktop, you'd be like, Oh my God, like how do you get anything done? Because I've just got like crap everywhere and visual clutter doesn't bother me, but the audio part of it does. Like I find it really hard to tune that out. And it may be just, you know, different people process things differently. But that's what interferes with my focus more than anything. And that's why noise canceling headphones and music and all that kind of thing are fantastic. I, mean, I, I actually will listen to podcasts while I code or while I work too. And I can I can do that. That doesn't bother me. So that That's where like when I hear the word multitasking, that's what I picture is like the ability to listen to a podcast and work at the same time. And I cannot do that for the life of me. Mm-hmm. Like if it's something that would require some amount of brain power to like keep up with, it's for me, it's all or nothing. Like, like you look over like Brad and, and I've worked with other people like this too. Like he's almost always got an iPad with some like random TV show playing on the yeah. side of his screen. And like, that's, that's a white noise focusing tool for him. You know, it's, cool. but it's like, for me like that, I just would never get anything done if that was happening. I would, yeah. all I could do is yeah. keep like, like a fly to a light, just keep looking over at that thing and forget what I was working on. Oh, it looks like in addition to being roguishly handsome, that's something else that Brad and I have in common. Cause that's, there you go. that's exactly what I do. Like I've watched a number of seasons of TV series and stuff. I just got them running in a window while I'm working. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, you've I mean, seen it, Matt. You've seen me like when we're in Montreal doing the podcast. Like I was jumping around oh, I all know. over the place, you know? Drives me nuts. 
I, I, I can process one thing at a time, period. A strong enough breeze and I'm thrown out. Yeah. I think you guys are all superhuman or maybe... Um, Delusional. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I guess there's a, quite a few studies that have been done about the multitasking and even people listening to music versus not listening to music. And mm. I, I think we might be sort of potentially deluding ourselves into thinking that this stuff is helping because a lot of there's a lot of evidence that maybe suggests that we're probably just afraid to be alone with our own thoughts and we have to have this stuff around. Mm. Whereas if we were able to master the ability to be in a room by ourselves working on stuff, then we might do better. And of course, everyone's different. And sometimes the white noise in the TV really does help. But definitely in my case, it doesn't. And practicing deep work is the only way that I could do anything. I'm a bit jealous of you guys being able to listen to podcasts and stuff. I definitely <laughs> cannot. Well, you might be right. It might be. It certainly could be delusion, you know. But my strategy is this, you know, I just don't read the studies. So, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, certainly, certainly the evidence, the evidence is in all of the prolific work that you've produced. So, I mean, surely you're all doing something right. But it's not something that I would recommend, at least to people starting out programming. I would say if you're starting out programming, you should find several hours a day to be by yourself working on really hard problems and turning off notifications and getting off Twitter because that's just a rabbit hole of awfulness for the most part. I mean, obviously there's benefits, but for being really good at something, I, I can't imagine how else you do it than just studying and focusing. And surely both Andrew and Brandon have done that a lot in your life at some point before kids, before you sort of had a company to run and marketing to do on social media. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to blow your mind. Like I even listen to podcasts when I'm going to sleep and it actually helps me go to sleep. I'm not kidding. Do you absorb anything from those podcasts? Huh? Do you absorb any of that information? or is it You're like annoying? a cowboy that can sleep with his eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I've, you know, uh, you make a good point, Jen, in that, you know, how much is it that I can't handle being bored and that I, you know, don't want to be alone with my own thoughts or whatever that uh, could be. It could be that. I've just found like for a very long time, like listening to a podcast is something that I'll do as I'm going to sleep, you know, and it actually helps me sleep. Like there have been times I'm just laying in bed and I'm just like, oh my God, like I almost want to like get up and do something. But if I put a podcast in something to like keep me entertained, I'll stay there and I'll fall asleep. You know? I can definitely relate. If I want, if I'm having a hard time going to sleep, I'll turn dev mode on and <laughs> <laughs> oh. out like a baby. Oh, that hurts so bad. Oh. Is, Mary, are you yeah. saying boredom? Then yeah, that's what he's are saying. You, <laughs> yes. Are you? Well, I just mean like, are you getting bored while you're working, or is, and you find that these like a podcast helps, or is it something else? Maybe. I don't know. I, it, it may, I don't know if it's really boredom, but if, if I am doing work that doesn't require a whole lot of intensive like mental overhead and it's just like coding that needs to get done or whatever, then yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of helps because mm -hmm. I can have part of the brain focused on that and part of the other brain is doing like this rote work that I could do, quote unquote, in my sleep, you know, <laughs> and it prevents me from uh, getting bored. Yeah. And yeah, maybe that's a good approach to keep yourself from making a problem more complicated than it needs to be. Sometimes like if I'm bored with a problem, I'll find a way to make it not boring. Right. But then I just made the problem 20 times more complex for the next guy. Well, the, you could take a page out of Brandon's book. I mean, the whole reason why he started Craft CMS was just he wasn't listening to podcasts while he worked. And he just said, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to build a whole framework. So Ransom, you could come out with the, your next CMS if you just started doing this, you know? Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Mary it's and I... Not. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Marion, I get the only thing I, I'm sure of is that you're not too distracted by clocks. Do you have specific time management strategies or, or I'm, meetings? Well, I'm, I certainly am hopeless, hopeless with anything video. I, when I'm having, sometimes I talk to my daughter on uh, video and I have to put a little post-it note over the picture of me so that I, on the screen so that I don't look at it. <laughs> And I have this useful piece of blue tape that I keep over my, my web camera. Yeah, is and this like a narcissism thing where you get enchanted by your own image? Is that it? You can't look? It's at it? moving things. It's uh. it's. I, I also am a descended from prey animals. And <laughs> <laughs> mover. I can't cope. Nor, nor can I listen to music. Mm. Or, I mean, forget the spoken word. Back in the day when I worked in an office, I used to listen to um, vocal music not in English because otherwise it was people talking around me but uh, mm -hmm. now it's just the Miriam have you ever striking. listened to Steve Reich I don't think so maybe he's a he's like a Jewish composer kind of inspired a lot of the whole what is music movement and and a lot of Hollywood scores are heavily inspired by a lot of his work but I would recommend if I like I've getting I get into you know modes where even a catchy song, like even if it's a song that would distract me too much. But in those cases, if I put Steve Reich on, he's got a few albums, but Music for 18 Musicians would be a good starting point. Okay. Um, it's kind of amazing because it kind of puts you into a trance, like a work trance. A good work trance. That sounds yeah. excellent. I wanted I to point out <laughs> to Andrew that there are podcasts that are designed to be boring for people to fall asleep to. Not that necessarily we should model Aspire them. Aspire to that. Them. <laughs> Steve has a, uh, I think, I think it's a, an a piece called music for pieces of wood mm -hmm. it's just hitting he's just hitting pieces of wood for you know hours i guess all i can think about is yoko ono's experimental like just randomly screaming and screeching yeah, yeah it's not it's, it the, the nice thing is it's not nearly as distracting as that mm. it's like repetitive there's patterns there's like he calls them phases but kind of like things phasing in and out in kind of a way that just you know it doesn't command any of your attention beyond just keeping you awake so it's like a fish concert kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, I, I like to honestly sometimes put on Fish or Dave Matthews or whatever, like a jam band that will literally go on like a 37 minute rendition of some song and it goes through these weird places and I don't have to think about it and think about what lyrics are coming next. Just run it out there. You know, no, no to fish distracted by, if I'm listening to music that has lyrics, I just I can't do that. I find that incredibly distracting. Yeah. I've listened to um, like soundtracks before. So what mm -hmm. I mean is like Hans Zimmer does like the one that I that I go to a lot is the soundtrack for the movie Inception. It's mm -hmm. just like there's it's just instrumental, but it's also like it kind of makes you feel like inspired to do your work or something. I don't know because it's like this upbeat tracks, you know, kind of makes you power through your work. I um, listen. Like, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I assume I, I assume that was Hans Zimmer, right? Because he does most of the Christopher Nolan stuff, like Interstellar yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interstellar is another one. That's a yeah. really good soundtrack. Yeah. So if you like that, I would say also Steve Reich would fit right into that oh, cool. playlist. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. This I is, don't know if this is, this is a problem that other people have. I listen to a lot of movie TV soundtracks and video game soundtracks. But I found if I choose the wrong one and it's too intense, suddenly a relatively carefree, you know, task that I needed to get done, I'm way too worked up about it. And so that's a risk. I have to pick the right tone or, um, you know, if, if I'm listening to the Game of Thrones soundtrack and I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, just just fixing white spaces i might i might get too worked up about something like that there were there were very critical portions of the craft three code base that were written to game of thrones soundtrack excellent so this this whole <laughs> thing is making me realize how 
weird I am because the idea of getting distracted by lyrics and music, like I just don't even, that doesn't even register with me. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, general... <laughs> I don't know what it is, you know, but like I, I do a lot of coding to I'll, I'll listen to like Rage Against the Machine and stuff like that, you know, like really like rah, and it yeah. doesn't doesn't bother me. And if it's something like that where like, you know it and you're just it's just kind of there mm. um, and you're going along with it, but it's not you're not really intellectually listening to it. Mm. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Like for me, like if it's something like a video, it's hard for me to like, just, you can't just, you can't just, I mean, maybe if it was office space or something, but you can't really just watch a video without thinking about it. Mm. Um, whereas with music, I mean, even if you're thinking about it, like, like we listen to rage against the machine quite a bit here as well. And, uh, it's, you know, like you're not really, you're, you're, you're singing along with it. You're, you're, or yelling along with it, whatever. Um, but you're not thinking about it at the same time. It's just, you're kind of on autopilot. Mm. I think that's what Maybe makes that's... it such an interesting topic. Like I'm, I think I'm the opposite of Andrew where I'm a, a, just a very sensitive organism, you know, as prey animals, <laughs> you have to adapt and, and like be letting everything around you register. So I'm a little bit serious about the breeze. Like anything that happens, I will, it will get consideration and nothing is static. Hmm. So I have to remove all the things, be careful about what I put in front of myself. And that is the challenge. Because otherwise my mind will attach, like even right now as we're recording, we're, we're using video and it's hugely distracting to be able to see all of you. Because we're so, all so good looking. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> primarily why. But um, it's just, it, to me, it's like a constant stream of a ton of different things. And I have to like... How do you talk uh, to people in public? You, you've seen me speak. It explains a lot about how I mean, words <laughs> come out and sentences end prematurely. It's like the, the dog from Up. Yeah. Mid-conversation squirrel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if Brandon or Andrew, anyone who manages a team, if you do anything intentional to make sure that your team has time to focus. Because I've been listening to a bit of um, the Basecamp founders um, on podcasts where they talk about how they deliberately remove, you know, email after certain hours and Slack. They uh, they prefer asynchronous communication and don't require constant meetings. Do you do anything like that to make sure the team is able to work on hard problems for a certain time? Uh, at Pixel and Tonic, we just, you know, everyone's on their own time zone. So trying to say at this time of the night, like everyone turns your email off, like wouldn't really make sense. But all the communication is already pretty much asynchronous and we have very, very few meetings. We have one weekly all hands and beyond that, we get on a call when we need to go over something like one on one, but nothing really outside of that. Yeah, because I see the team on, on the Discord channel quite a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're chatting. They're probably working. But even for me, for example, if I had Discord open on the craft channel, I wouldn't be able to do my work. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's one track mind. <laughs> I'm exactly the same way. That's really interesting. Again, I'm I'm kind of exactly the opposite of that to some extent. Like kind of like Brandon, when something is happening that takes some time, you know, I, I go over and see if I can answer any questions on Discord or something like that. And that switch doesn't really bother me so much. But what you were mentioning before, so when I was managing a team of people, one of the things that I did to kind of ensure that they would have the focus is I made sure everyone had their own office, which I know like, this is probably a story I've told before, but there's a company that I worked with that they moved to a new swanky headquarters and they moved the, all of like the, they were executive heavy. And every executive got their own office with a door that shut. The development team was moved into an open office situation in the middle of the call center. <laughs> so if you want to like, and it's just, you know, to me, it's like, how out of touch can you be? Like, you must not know that for a lot of people or for everyone, really, like development is hard mental work. 
and you need to be able to focus. So, I mean, I guess that would be what I would say that I did is made sure that everyone had like their own space, you know? That's one of my favorite images of, of a person being focused was Mark Twain apparently had a little cabin that had no power, no electricity, and he would go out there. It was far from his house. They'd have to send somebody to run and yell at him when he, you know, time for lunch or something. And he would just sit there with his typewriter and do his thing. And that's what I'm hoping for in my life is to someday have a dilapidated shed. <laughs> um, my wife is looking forward to that too. Um, he you guys... early technology adapter with that typewriter. That's right. <laughs> is your last name? Have you guys watched the Netflix special Inside Bill's Brain? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. It's got that cabin that he goes to for his Think Weeks. Think Week. Goes with a bag of books and locks and, himself up in a cabin. The annoying part is that he remembers everything. He, it's, it's incredible to me that he can what read a book. What was retention rate that they said that he retains? How much, What percentage of what he reads? It was incredible, though. 70, 80%. Yeah, I'd be lucky. I'd be thrilled with 10%. Yeah. But I, I can't get past one page of a book without forgetting what the page said. <laughs> Matt, is your last name Kaczynski? You're talking about going into like oh, a shed in the woods somewhere? Andrew. Okay. Andrew, I'm hosting this week. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but so <laughs> interestingly, and, and maybe this is something that explains a little bit more, like I don't read books. Like I used to. I used to actually be a fairly avid book reader. And I also would listen to books on tape. But I, like it, literally in the last decade, I don't think I've finished a book. It just, has, <laughs> just hasn't happened. So I heard Jen remark and use the phrase deep work. Has anyone read? And Jim, maybe you have read the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. No. It's a great book. I would recommend it to anyone who's having trouble focusing because I, I think once I started implementing the things that he said, mm -hmm. it really made a difference. And I've had a couple of teammates also say the same thing. I mean, everything he says just makes sense. And he's also a computer scientist. So I definitely he definitely understands the the particular issues with programming that we come that we face as well. What if I can't focus enough to read his book on focus? Yeah, it, it's very <laughs> yeah, good for people who do read books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it starts off talking about literally um, people going off to the woods and building their own spaces to, to be apart and get away from shallow work. And they talk about the difference between shallow work and deep work. It's funny, as we were talking about answering emails or listening to music, I find if I'm doing shallow work, if I'm answering client emails, sorry, clients, I, I see that as shallow work. I find it much easier to have a podcast on and while I'm doing kind of mindless stuff. If I have to lose myself and I'm building controllers, I'm talking APIs, I'm referencing documentation, and even then I'm having to switch back and forth. But if there's anything else like hitting my brain, it just really breaks that down. Although I actually read some really good criticisms of the book where they talk about, like, don't forget the people who support those who are allowed to go off into their like cabin in the woods like That's don't right. forget the spouse or the partner who is then like taking care of the children and allowing you know the the genius man to go and do his deep work off in the woods but even though i mean he said most people he did say in the book that most people don't have the opportunity to do that but what mm -hmm. they can do is block off two hours in their day to make sure that they don't get distracted yep. and people don't do that anymore and thus like even i struggle to read a book from start to finish and i used to be an avid reader reading 10 books a week and i i blame the social media and all that stuff. I'm sounding like a, you know, old man yells at cloud right now. <laughs> but I think it is a, it's a real problem that we all have ADD. And to combat that, I, I think we could, you know, at least try to take a couple hours a day where we mm -hmm. aren't distracted by inane clickbait headlines. Yeah. I'm so bad with getting incredibly distracted that I've started setting a timer for myself, even if it's not very long, like maybe 30 minutes or even 15 minutes. And when that timer's running, I'm working on whatever I'm working on and I'm not doing anything else. I'm guilty of, you know, sometimes allowing more time than I even need to get a task done. 
I think there's like a proverb or a saying that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. So that just means like, if you don't set a time limit on yourself, you'll work on a problem for forever, I guess. Versus if you say, I have 45 minutes to work on this, you'd be surprised how much quicker you can get a lot of tests done. So I've found that actually timing myself um, and forcing myself to go into that deep work mode, even if it's for a short amount of time, is super helpful. Do you use the uh, Pomodoro technique? I don't. I'm not super familiar with it, but I've heard people talk about it. I think it's a specific amount of time. I forget what it is. And I think it's... minutes. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't that a kind of... Because that's how long it takes to make sauce or something. Isn't that... (laughs) I forget where that comes from. Let's do it accidentally then, because that's about what I typically do. Like Like, I'll say... Tomato timer. Myself 25, 30 minutes or something to like solid work time. I was you can add, also make a sauce in that time, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll add that to my to-do list today. That concept of, you know, work expands to the time allowed, like that's that's kind of the reasoning behind. I know uh, Wildbit, for example, they've moved down to like a four-day, or was it even three-day now? I think it's four-day work week, three-day weekend. And they claim that, you know, overall productivity has has not only been met with what they used to do, but but that they do more now because everyone knows that they've got less time to lollygag, you know? And so you get more, get more focused and you get more done. I think so that's, that's true down to a point. There was a book, uh, the two hour, four hour work week, whatever somebody mm-hmm. here must've. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, uh, what Tim, Tim, whatever <laughs> the, the whole concept of like trying to get a bunch of passive income and just sell vitamin pills. Right. It'll okay. be great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is different than that. It's, it's like there's, you know, wild bits still doing, very similar work to all of us. I, I would say the critical difference where like it wouldn't really work for us is support. You know, we until all of our customers are also doing a four hour work week, we can't just tell them that Fridays are our day off. But I'm skeptical. As far as actual production work goes, it seems like seems like an interesting thing to consider. It it definitely seems interesting. I'm skeptical, to be honest with you, because if all it is is that they know that they have only this amount of time to get stuff done, then it's really just a psychological thing. You know what I mean? Like what okay, if that's true, then and go back to a five-day work week and just don't lollygag. You know what I mean? But maybe it's difficult to do. You know, maybe it's harder to do and you need that under the gun kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, the other the other thing is, you know, that the longer weekend you give people, the more recharged they're going to feel on Monday. Like we've all probably taken a week off and and uh, gone on vacation or whatever it is and, and know that feeling at the end of the week of like, man, I can't wait to get back to work. Sure. Uh, on some level, you could kind of get that to happen every single week if you just took like one more day off. And by the time Sunday rolls around, you're you're pretty excited to get back to work on Monday and, and make the most of your next four days. So that's a perfect segue into zooming out a little bit. There's daily productivity. There's day-to-day productivity and focus and kind of the, the battle to maintain that with the tasks that you have in front of you. But then there's also finding a balance to consider like the broader decisions you have about your career or your product trajectory. How do you how do you each make sure that like how do you zoom out and take stock of what's in front of you, what kind of clients you're working with, what kind of work you're doing, and like how do you take time to to kind of focus on the bigger picture and where you'd like things going? We um maybe on a relatively annual basis, we we've tried to start having a little bit more introspective discussions. So like coming up on the end of the year, we're gonna, you know, be asking all the employees to to take some time to kind of think over like what what are their most proud accomplishments of the year and what parts of their job are they really enjoying and and what would they like to be doing differently or like what direction do they want to be taking their career in the long run you know just to make sure everyone feels like they're actually working on something that that makes them feel like they've accomplished things and that they feel rewarded by it yeah i would would agree from a similar perspective you know at work it's 
one of the most important parts about keeping a business running, I imagine, is uh, making sure everyone's doing what they want to be doing. Uh, otherwise, it's not sustainable. The last thing you want is you know someone just quitting one day, <laughs> and now you've got to deal with all this undocumented stuff. I always make a point to check in with developers I work with. And my manager always checks in with me at least once a month. And we come together as a company once a year. You know, We fly everyone in from the various countries and we spend the, the whole week together doing uh, you know, the, the usual like team building stuff and hanging out. And then a lot of talking about the, the company, the business, uh, where we wanted to go from perspectives you're not necessarily going to get on a day-to-day -day basis or even on check-ins. Because when you're just checking in, you're, you're really trying to maintain a trajectory of the status quo. You're not, no one's asking you to take a step back and say, are we doing what we should be doing? You know, do we need to look at this sector or do we have too few resources here or is someone super miserable? So it sounds like each of you have said basically that you set aside time for that and to, to address it like as a group, like you, you make time just specifically and plan for time specifically for evaluating where things are at and uh, having discussion about them. Sounds a lot easier than the day to day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. At the end of the day, this is like, we're, we're all doing this because we enjoy it. And like the point of all of this is to, is to do something that feels rewarding. So it's important to make sure that we're actually satisfying that, that goal. It touches on, um, going back to the, the tasks that you're given. It's important to make sure you're working on the right things and that you're giving work to the right people. Obviously, some people are going to be better at some tasks than other people. So as the, the gatekeeper from time to time, you need to be delegating tasks out to the right people, not just so those tasks get done better, but also because they're going to be more enjoyable for certain people. I don't want to give a bunch of front-end work to someone who's been building APIs for the past six months, unless that's what he wants to do. But I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, there's, there's, People that like every single random task there is. I mean, there's people out there that like working in JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts, Brandon. That hurts. <laughs> I manage a team, uh, uh, just a dysfunctional team within my own head. And, and everybody's getting the wrong task. And that's that's part of my challenge is like figuring out who should get who should be assigned the most useful things and who we need to fire because there's a lot, there's just a lot of people running around in there. But so <laughs> The question that you asked, Matt, it reminds me of um, Eisenhower's decision matrix. Has anyone seen that? You've got like a square and it goes, uh, it's urgent along one axis and then important along yeah. the other. And what we tend to focus on are the things that are urgent, whether they're important or not important, like that tends to be where the focus ends up being. But it ends up being that what is really important for long-term happiness is that you also focus on the not urgent, important things. You know, things like Brandon said, like, am I happy doing what I'm doing? Do I feel like I'm doing meaningful work? Not have I banged out 10 support tickets or whatever. Does anybody like journal? Because it seems like that would be a good way to sort of do self-assessments every once in a while to go back and like, look at your thoughts or record your thoughts, uh, you know, throughout the year. I don't do it, but I've often wondered like the value in doing that. If anybody else does it. Does anyone actually have good handwriting here? I don't know. No, I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> no. And my hand gets crampy too. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that always happened even yeah. in school, but like. I have excellent handwriting. 
What is mm. this handwriting thing that you speak of? Yes, I was thinking more like if somebody uses Notion or something like that to like do like journaling or something. I don't know. I don't use Notion too, but I for me when I have too many competing thoughts bouncing around in my head and I just don't know what to do, I usually sit and write them out and then it gives me something to both laugh at later, but then once they're down, I feel like there's less noise in my head and something has just become calm again. Yeah, it's like, like get it out of your head. Mm-hmm. I keep like a general task list page in Notion that has a bunch of random thoughts and stuff like that. Similar idea. I have the world's most boring bullet journal that every day, I, the beginning of the day, which is important, so I have something to start the morning with. I start out, I say, what did I do yesterday? And I make a little list. And what do I plan to do today? And I make a little list. Yeah, my wife does that too. She has a bujo. Do you bujo, Marion? No, I guess so. I guess it is. Bujo yeah. stands for bullet journal. Yeah, I have a yeah. notebook and I have a pen. So there you go. And there I- you go. There and there goes Marion's clock. There goes my clock. <laughs> just when I had something to say, <laughs> I also wanted to say in a moment here. That's an entire discussion on how to stay focused with those things going off. Very get used to it. I find it very interesting that a number of people bujo, you know, because my wife is pretty technically advanced with computers and everything. And she uses like a, she likes having a notebook that she actually writes stuff in. And I met up with the scrum master from the company that she works at. And she had a bujo too. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I guess there's some satisfaction out of out of doing that. There's also the yearning to get away from your screen just for mm-hmm. a little bit. So it does feel kind of good to write things down and you can even take it away from your desk and go outside and write what you're going to do. I think it's also satisfying to be able to check something off a list manually. Mm. I mean, it's good to move it from Trello to one column to the other. That's fine. But there's just something nice about manually doing something since we're constantly in front of our screens. There are Trello plugins that will, you know, they'll play music or they'll do explosions when you move from one card from one. I don't know. know. Confetti, probably. Childish. Confetti. Childish. I take that as a compliment. Thank you, Matt. Hmm. Uh, Whenever I have to write. It wasn't that way. (laughs) When I have a tricky bit of code to write, I always start with a pencil and paper. I did an experiment with myself and got an old typewriter and started writing things on it and journaling on it for a while, which, um, yeah, a typewriter, it turns out, is like a computer, except it has no electricity (sighs) required. And um, it completely changed the way I wrote because I was so afraid to mistype. That I like sat and thought my words out differently. And the things that I wrote came out very, very differently with it. And you want to avoid those A's and semicolons? Yeah, or just, I'm, yeah, I'm not good at going back and Xing things out and retyping. So I have to start the whole thing over again. And that's a whole different thing I can deal with, uh, you know, with a therapist. But it was a really useful <laughs> experiment. And those machines are super cool. How How is that useful? To learn about thinking and composing thoughts and writing things. Okay. You would have had 12 movies on, but you would have gotten something useful out of it, I bet. <laughs> no, I, would, I would have thrown the typewriter out of the window. <laughs> it's a beautiful old machine. Matt, focus. <laughs> focus. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for help with that. So I'm, I'm reading a book now called Atomic Habits. It's great. It's useful. My, my problem, again, is focusing, like making sure that not being productive or hitting deadlines or whatever, but just making sure I'm focused on the right things. And usually it comes down to the habits that I have being distracted by shiny things. Have either any of you, either of you or any of you fostered habits that you use that help better use your time and get you into the zone, whether that's like a daily routine or using a bullet journal is a great example of that. Like do do any of you, you developed 
habits for yourself that make things easier? I know what Patrick does. It, when Patrick comes across something that he thinks is interesting, mm. he, he messages it to me yes. and he knows that <laughs> I'm going to go off and like do something with it. And then he'll be just like, and then I can just look at the result to see if I want to bother with it. Right, Patrick? So many of your innovations <laughs> have come from me just like saying, huh, someone should build this. I wonder if Andrew will do it for me. <laughs> it, it's more like, it's more like, huh, I'm busy. Let's get Andrew to do this. Service workers look easy, look interesting, but hard. Let's see if Andrew's interested. <laughs> oh my God. I, I hate you. I even, I know when you're doing it to me too. Like the engine. That's, that's something everybody could use. Really? I think we should all give that a try and see if it helps us focus more. All message no. me. No, yeah. please don't. <laughs> that sounds horrible. man. <laughs> it's the we'll Andrew put Andrew's phone it. number in the show notes. So you can text him. Oh my God. I really will move to a cabin in the woods somewhere. What about sleep schedules and work-life balance? How does everyone manage that? As it relates to focus or, I mean, I, we, we kind of talked about that when we were talking about developer burnout. And for me, like I know a lot of people, they want to have like a clear delineation between work and your life. But the, the God's honest truth is that you're going to spend a huge chunk of your life working like a lot of hours, you know, and I think your work really is part of your life to one extent or another. And it may not work for everyone, but what what I tend to do is I tend to interleave the two, you know, and whenever I have spare time for something, you know, then I will work on it. The the physical location was an issue for me. I know, Andrew, you've got the bar in there that's kind yep. of like, you're there, you're like, you're at work. So when I started doing this, I'd quit my job and I was working out of my house. And for like so many people, that's not an issue for them. It became a huge issue for me. I could not do it. Mm -hmm. Like I was... I like in my mind, there was no clear delineation between I'm at home now, I'm at work now, and it just kind of all ran together. And so I ended up getting an office space to go work at, even though I don't have clients to come and see me, just so that I know like when I'm here, I'm working, when I'm home, I'm home. That made a big yeah. difference for me as well, especially because of kids, right? I mean, I was working at home for a long time. Yeah. But then once you have kids, like you can tell them whatever you want, but really there are no boundaries and it's it's going to yeah. be super difficult. So then I, I moved down to the barn and that helped out immensely. And the other thing that helped out is like they know now to like knock at the door before they'll even come in here because I've got an alarm in the barn and my kids were traumatized. They came down here one time. They thought I was in here. They they opened the door. The alarm went off. Police showed up like the kids are scarred for life. So they they are very respectful of my space down here. Scared them into leaving you alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It worked wonderfully. I'm wondering, everybody's strategies revolve around uh, adapting when they have kids. <laughs> if I should just rent some. I mean, maybe that's part of my problem. I, I can I can attest having kids is not a productivity tip. Yes. <laughs> it's true. I mean honestly, I was more productive before I had kids. I was less enriched, for sure. Like my wife always says, people who have kids, they live longer but they're more willing to die. So, <laughs> 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 which, which I think is it's very apt. And it's, it's very true. Um, but it definitely had hurt my productivity in term. Well, and it also changed what I felt was important too, to some extent or another. But it definitely hurt my productivity in terms of being able to focus. So Matt, if you're thinking that renting kids is going to help you, no, it's more like something that you are forced to, to adapt to. If you want to try it out, Matt, I can send you one or two. I was going to say, <laughs> I'll, I'll ship some to you. <laughs> 
that's the thing I found my focusing myself focusing on more though is like quality of sleep. And I've been on a spree, like learning stuff and pushing myself to learn more and try new things in the past year or so. And it's been working great, but I could also be a poster child for poor work-life balance because I'm just always in front of a screen working on something. And I know that that can only sustain itself for so long before, you know, I can't go outside and speak to people or handle the sun anymore. Um, (laughs) So for me, it's been focusing on like getting good sleep, trying to slowly tamp down the range of hours that I work and make sure that I do get away with it, but keep up the pace of just kind of learning and productivity. I think for anything, it's the quality of it, you know, in terms of the quality of the hours that you're putting in. And if you're putting in so many hours, kind of getting back to what Brandon was talking about before in terms of, you know, a three or a four day work week, if you're putting in so many hours that the quality of those hours is going down, then yeah, I mean, you you need to make an adjustment in terms of your balance, but it's different for every person in that some people are really type A and like they feel anxious and they don't like just laying around doing nothing. Like I know people like that, that they are unhappy if they're just sitting on the couch, like zoning out like that, that makes them physically uncomfortable. Well, I don't think work-life balance has to be how much of your time you spend working and how much of your time you spend sitting on the couch doing nothing. Right. There are options. (laughs) What are those options, Mary? Go on. You could read a book. You could go for a walk. You could take up ballroom dancing. You could, um, you know, cook a tomato sauce. <laughs> sure. And and I guess that's all I'm saying is that, you know, different people have different levels of engagement that they're OK with in terms of if you view work as something that you don't really enjoy it and you don't get immense satisfaction out of it, then maybe you would need to work a little bit less and do a little bit more of the things that you enjoy. Because in, in the end, there is no division between life and work, at least in my opinion, like you have one life <laughs> and you decide how many hours you're allocating to the various things that you're doing and and that's it. I mean, that's all there is. There isn't necessarily work life and home life. You have one life. How much of it are you going to spend working? What kind of work are you going to be doing? Are you doing that work to enable you to then do other things on the side? Or do you enjoy that work so much that you don't want to do so many things on the side? You know, I mean, I just kind of look at life as one long continuum. And then you're kind of deciding how you break up those hours. You know, how do you uh, how do you all feel about task anxiety when you know you've got a lot of work to do, but you keep telling yourself you need to take a break. Hmm. But then all you can think about is all that work. Do you give in? Well, I think this is where focus could be really helpful, right? So like what Brandon was saying earlier, if things seem overwhelming, focus on one small piece and start chipping away at it. And eventually that iceberg is going to be down to ice cubes, you know? Yeah, but what if you can't chip at it yet? What if it's it's not ready yet or it's in someone else's court or... There's nothing you can do about it. Then you need to free yourself of the worry. Yeah, Yeah, I I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is... Just don't don't read the study, Ransom. That's what I do. (laughs) Read? But when it is something that you can control that, that, I don't know, is still almost like paralyzing in a way, if that's what you're describing by task anxiety, I found the best thing I can do is actually lie to myself. And it's very healthy. Um, (laughs) It's just what I was mentioning before, where I just convince myself that I have plenty of time because usually that's where my concern comes from. And then that just kind of gets me out of anxiety mode. So I'm just agreeing verbosely with the idea of figuring out how to free yourself of the worry, either because it's somebody else's 
else's task and you can't do anything or you're blowing something up. And if you are truly feeling paralyzed, you know, oftentimes like kind of going back to the work-life balance thing. Sorry, Andrew. Oftentimes the, the right answer is to just take a break, to take a walk. Yeah. You know, Archimedes, take a bath, you know. I 100% agree, man. Like I, I hike every day and I was actually going to chime in and answer to one of the questions earlier. Like, what do you do when you have a tough problem that you are trying to figure out? And I think that rubber ducking and whiteboarding are super, super helpful. But then after I've done that, I'll often do something like go for a hike and just kind of let it gel and let it kind of settle and and figure out in my brain what's going on. But uh, the thing I'm most concerned about is Matt is essentially advocating dishonesty, right? I mean, that's what you're saying, Matt, is that we should just lie to ourselves, right? Uh, Yeah. When has that ever been a bad thing, though? I, no, I'm, I kind I'm of saying where he's going with it. And you know what? I mean, like the original, the original liar here, the original sin is that your brain is constantly lying to you anyways. Mm. The severity of the problem you're stressing about is never as big as you're really thinking it is. The The challenge at hand is usually more manageable than you, than you like that, that feeling of overwhelm overwhelming that's the lie you can do it you can get through it it's it's a process you have to break it down you have to just deal with it but the idea that you're never going to be able to fix this or you're never going to be able to solve this or this is going to ruin you or whatever it is like that's the lie you have to lie yourself out of that's exactly true for me like i'm i'm good at hitting deadlines because uh i treat each one as a life or death situation and that can only be <laughs> so helpful at some point so i get it depends on every person but for me just telling myself that there's time probably really is. So maybe it's a reality. Yeah. None of this is life or death in reality, you know, but like, but your brain, it's so easy for your brain to equate the fact that someone's site is down with the house next door is on fire. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm concerned that you're stressing out over writing a tweet, Matt. (laughs) I mean, <laughs> that that was a little concerning. Thirty minutes for a tweet. That's not, not most of them. Not most of them. That's probably only half. I've got a I've got a life hack for you. Don't tweet. Yeah. <laughs> what, Andrew? I'm waiting for Brandon's life hack. What is it? Oh, that was it. He got it. <laughs> Stop tweeting. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, Matt. Like, what? what is the anxiety? Is it that other people are going to see this thing and it's got to be just like perfectly crafted or, you know, like, what is it? A little bit. I mean, I'm going to throw more garbage out into the universe, so I want to at least try and do my best with it, you know? That's not what social media is. Like, that's where all your garbage ends up. <laughs> but I just want to think- polish it. Do you think your life will get easier when Twitter adds edit buttons? Oh, yeah. I mean. Oh, God. Sure. No, but there'll be a timer. There'll be like a, you know, a a three minute timer or something. You're You're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I have one more minute. Is this the right guy? You're right. You're right. I'll trade one stress for another. But uh, yeah, maybe it's the permanence of it. Yeah. I don't have a great way of handling curly quotes. And so sometimes that, that bugs me. There's keyboard <laughs> shortcuts for it. I know. I just curly get wow. more used to them. So you're hung, you are unable to tweet because of curly quotes? No, that just slows me down. <laughs> Learn okay. those keyboard shortcuts. It takes no longer than a regular quote. I'm getting there. Well, no. Yeah. Well, two buttons. All right. Maybe I'm just not used to it enough yet. I'm just staring at my keyboard like... <laughs> Yeah, there's no curly quote button. That's the that's the trippy thing. But also yeah. people that are reading your tweets, they don't give a damn whether they don't you're care. using curly quotes most, or not. Most I people care. don't care I about care thank too. you. Thank yeah. you, both of you. That's well then I guess I won't not worry about that. So cool. <laughs> and then he said inch mark. 
<laughs> How do you type the, turli- the curly quotes on your typewriter, Matt? Oh, the typewriter gives you far fewer options. Did you know that if you want a number one, you're going to type a lowercase l, for example? That's oh, and a- the exclamation point, definitely. Yeah. Single quote, backspace, period. Yeah. And you got to map it out because... How you do know. you reconcile using a typewriter versus stressing out over smart quotes on a tweet? Like, I don't get it. Does it seem like a focus problem, Andrew? I, I don't know. It seems like some kind of a problem. <laughs> That's why we're here. The typewriter results in a paper that no one else sees. It's one thing that's nice. Hopefully. The tweet goes into the Library of Congress. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's frightening. Not your well, tweets. Not necessarily. Every tweet. Every tweet? Every tweet. Mm, forever? Forever. Library of Congress. Wow. Printed in a book on some on some hard drive. Based on what I've seen on Twitter, that is like a super depressing time capsule that people in <laughs> that people in a hundred years are going to be looking at. You know, wow. So speaking, future historians are going to be combing through there and analyzing the use of curly quotes. We see here when it all went wrong, and this was <laughs> the era of the duck face on Instagram. Look at all. <laughs> do we do we want to uh, to talk about looking ahead? What we're focusing on in in twenty twenty in the remaining bits of 2019 i am not <laughs> so <laughs> no early for that <laughs> well i'm gonna be well I, i'm going on vacation so i'm not really i'm not really dealing with <laughs> with any of that at all although actually like i've got a friend of mine that is uh, involved in a he's trying to start up his own business a software as a service and one of the things that i'm doing kind of for him or with him, I guess, is we're doing stand-up meetings once a week just to sync up. Like, these are the things that I want to do. These are the things I want to get done so that the next week when he comes back, you know, we can talk about, okay, so what what were blockers? What did you get done? What didn't you get done? And just to kind of hold him responsible for that. And I think that this is probably related to focus in terms of, you know, if you know someone else is going to be checking up on you, you got to make sure that you did what you, you focused on, what you said you were going to focus on. And I think some people need that. You know, I think, and that can be helpful to you. I think that it's harder to be a solo entrepreneur if you need that kind of accountability to someone else, because I think to some extent you you need to hold yourself accountable. But I still think it can be helpful just from like preparing you mentally to know, put everything in order, kind of like a, a verbal bujo, I guess. I'm just taking in the term bujo. It's the first I've heard it. Oh my God, it's huge. Bujos are huge, man. I know the bullet journal is a huge thing. I've mm-hmm. just not heard bu- Bujo. Can someone spell that? B-U-J-O, man. Oh, wow. All right. Never mind. <laughs> I think that wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. If you'd like to have every episode delivered to your favorite player, you can subscribe via RSS or find us on iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, please leave a review of the show on iTunes. It's the best way to help others find the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave a comment on the devmode.fm website where we can continue the conversation. For the DevMode podcast, I'm Matt Stein. I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Marian Newlevent. I'm Jonathan Melville. I'm Jennifer Bloomberg. And thanks to Brandon and Ransom for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Dun 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 dun
I can't believe Marion finally finally showed her camera. Hi, Marion. 